0: Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This it's your host Kat and it is so nice to have you all back here with me today. Boy, it feels like there is just the winds of change in the air. I don't know if you guys can feel it too, but just the energy around god the past I don't know, month and a half, right? has just felt different. I don't know about you guys, but I am just going through so much inner change right now and much of it has been great and others have been weepy, and just, it's been a a journey. It's been a journey, and I'm so thankful to have you all here listening to episode 42 with my wonderful next guest, Darren LeBaron. Darren is an educator, a researcher, and a mycologist for the last 10 years. On this episode, we talk about something that I had no idea about, and that was psychedelics in Africa, and what he calls the untold story. Essentially, he talks about the history of psychedelics in Africa beyond just Iboga, right? And the ways in which in African tradition, African culture, both in our ancient times, all the way up through modern day Africa, are they using these sacred sacraments? It's fascinating to hear his perspective. We talk about what the relationship should be between some of these ancient wisdoms and also creating container for today's modern age. We talk about, of course, his journey into psychedelics, why he was so called to work in this space and dedicate his life to this work. As he says, the mushrooms have been good to him. And he he jokes that he is a mushroom living a human life. And you know what? I think I am too. I am most definitely doing the mushrooms bidding at this point. And that's all right because, boy, are they taking me on a ride and they sure have taken Darren on a ride, too. But before the episode begins, if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or watching it on YouTube, stop everything you're doing, except, of course, driving or lifting heavy machinery, and head over and rate and comment on this podcast. If you feel so inclined to help your girl out and leave a comment and a rating, take a screenshot of it and message it to me or email it to me. And I will personally send you back a a little gift as my thank you. What can I say folks? Your girl needs ratings to increase searchability. And Hey, it's the holiday season. And finally, if you are not following me on socials, please do so at trip on this pod. That's right. It's finally at trip on this pod across the board. Okay, fine, it's at trip on this pod, underscore pod on Twitter, but whatever guys, I will put it all in the description. Follow your girl on socials for more videos and content, psychedelic news, all that good stuff to uh, keep a constant dialogue going. And with that, please enjoy this next episode with Darren LeBaron. All right, Darren LeBaron. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Trip on This.
1: Thank you, Kat. Really appreciate the invitation to be on your platform and to be sharing, man, so I look forward to it.
0: Absolutely. You are just a wealth of knowledge around mycology, around the history of psychedelics and how it was used in our ancient past. Honestly, just looking at the work you're doing, traveling all over the country, sharing your knowledge, you truly are a divine spore. Sharing, and spreading <laughs> that knowledge around fungi. Let's start, let's set the stage first for everyone and kind of bring them up to speed around, you know, what it is that you're doing in this space and where did the passion start? Kind of what roads has it led you down?
1: Yeah, I always tend to say, like, I've come to realize it's been a lifelong journey, like, for most people, like, every step of the way has got you to where you're at. But um, I'll say that I was born with an interest and a curiosity that asking questions, pretty much wanting to know the unknown, you know, and probably annoying my mum and people around me with those kind of questions. But once I got to a point where I was mature enough to be able to go and do my own independent research and studies, I was really interested in that, just about finding out about myself, being one, you know, a lot to do with more to do with African history and culture, being the first generation to be born in the UK, you know, my mother coming from the Caribbean, of, of African heritage you know I just wanted to know more about that and that led me more and more to find out about you know African cultures indigenous cultures around the world and their practices you know psychedelics had come up previously you know from childhood in school sure. you know amongst you know guys who I went to school with but it wasn't it wasn't that time it wasn't that wasn't the season for me to receive it and then yeah. I basically pushed it away every time that it was presented to me and then um I got to a point where I was like for me to dismiss this thing again because it had got to a point where it came up in african spirituality indigenous cultures Mm. and they're using these plant medicines to connect with their ancestors and stuff like that and that's pretty much the kind of stuff i was interested in that i was uh, was doing you know in, in other spaces and places but um it got to a point where i was like well before i dismiss it for a third or fourth time i need to give it its value and the only way of understanding what the psychedelics are is you've got to have the experience. So I decided to have the experience, and as I say, there were a few key people and players that sort of supported me over the years in, in getting to that place that inspired me in other schools of thought. But I eventually got to a place where I partook in psychedelics and was inspired by the experiences, how it complemented what I had been studying and learning, mm. and. Um, In particular, there was a teacher, Kalindi E, who was a major component to support me on that journey once I had taken psychedelics. And I was like, who do I speak to? Who can I speak with about that? And he was pretty much the only person in the public main that was, you know, accessible and looked like me as well and spoke my language. So it resonated and yeah, the kind of the rest is history as far as some of the stuff and work that you may see me doing now.
0: Wow, thank you so much. It it strikes me as just when the universe puts something in your path, you know, one, two times, you're like, no, nah, okay, but by the third or fourth, you're like, should I be paying attention here? Especially the there synchronicity that it's now like coming up in your work. It's cool that you even had the awareness around that time to be like, all right, I think there's a reason why this is being presented to me. It's coming up in, in the work that I'm doing. And it sounds like whatever those first experiences were, were incredibly powerful because you've now really dedicated your life to understanding, well, let's head into the role, for instance, of psychedelics in Africa, as you like to say, the untold story, because I, you know, for me personally, I know about Iboga. I know about the Bwiti tradition, not, certainly as much as I should, but it sounds like there's more to the story than most of us know. Can you talk about it?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, like you mentioned, Iboga or Ibogaine is really popular on the circuit. When I first started learning and studying about psychedelics and the relationship with Africa, that's the only psychedelic that came up. Or more importantly, that active ingredient, Ibogaine, is what came up a lot Mm. as far as being something that was useful for heroin addiction, alcohol addiction, trauma recovery, and, you know, other, other, other therapeutic potentials. So um, with that said, that's really cool. I felt, you know, what I was learning at that time. And again, not much of the culture aspect of it was being presented. It was more just on the clinical side of things. But, you know, what I felt, what my spirit was inspired to ask was, you know, where these plants come from, which is Gabon, you know, and central, you know, regions in Central Africa. Um, do they have heroin addicts there? You know, um, do they have people who are dealing with alcohol recovery and stuff that you're suggesting Ebola gain is used for or should be used for? And um, I come to find out that, no, they don't have and heroin addicts in Gabon, and um, they do have um, some people challenged by alcohol, but that was post-Europeans introducing alcohol to those regions and, you know, some other aspects of their story. Um, but prior to that, Ebola had been used. So what was you using it for? That was the sure. question or the curiosity that. Um, to find out like i've just been sharing with you know a friend just now you know just a reminder that these technologies as i like to refer to them as that because they're not just medicine you know and that's not how they're used on the african continent they're pretty much a technology and um, i use that term simply because it allows them they, the fundamental reason they say they were gifted this technology would be to communicate with their ancestors mm-hmm. as i say it's, it's a it's a phone it's the Pick up the phone, it's can phone home, ET phone home.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, So it's the technology that enables you to phone home to connect with your ancestors. Those who have been here, who have had the human experience and then are now on the other side, have access to that. They have access to files over there and you can tap in and plug in and pull down and download files based on communicating with your ancestors. So that's what they say the technology is there for. You know, it's not for heroin addiction. It's not for PTSD or depression or anxiety. What we've come to find out is that cultures that are, they utilize these types of plant technologies actually don't suffer from those things. We found to find that they're pretty much preventative measures. They're going to prevent you from having, you know, mm-hmm. if they become a way of life like they are for most of these cultures, then you're not going to get depression around. Or if that arises, there's holistic ways and approaches of dealing sure. with that, that it doesn't become an extreme challenge, like right? We're utilizing it in the West as a medicine. Before.
0: Is it utilized like a rite of passage also in those it, cultures as like a certain coming of age where you have an experience like that?
1: There you go. And it's like, interestingly enough, it's pre-birth, it's pre-birth, it's conception. You know, you're in, in a lot of cases, there's traditions where the child is conceived under the influence of the substances. And then as the mother is walking walking with the child in her womb over the duration of nine months, approximately, she's also microdosing on partaking in substances. So it's becoming the child. The child becomes... The thing is, in the DNA, it's in the in the system. And then when the child's born, they're being breastfed and the mother's still partaking, it's coming through the breast milk. So it's just in the system, like, it's, it's a way of life, pre-birth, during, you know, the early stages of nursing, all the way through to puberty, where you would get a conscious, direct experience as being part of the rites of passages that are normally set up for what we call puberty, moving in from boyhood into manhood, or, you know, from a young girl into womanhood. Wow. And there would be rituals and ceremonies and rites of passages in place to support you in becoming whoever you are yet to become
0: god i i hope you know just thinking about how connected those children i mean from from the moment of conception through the growing process to and just like that little bit right that microdosing because of the i mean just thinking of what it does on a scientific level right opening up new neural pathways and on a spiritual level i you know i always say for myself like it feels like a like here's the kind of thing a direct hotline to source to um the ancestral realms to something spirit right into that kind of experience and to it almost for me like my instinctual feeling to that is what a leg up to already um stay connected to that bigger larger source that we're all a part of as opposed to uh, what happens at birth for most most of us is the perception of separation once yeah. we embody, right? Once we become a body. And I really hope that they start, especially here in the Western side of things, I know it's a, a tricky one probably for, uh, for this to be studied, right? Because we are talking about moms and then they don't know. And so it would be, incredible somehow to be able to so we can actually adopt this and kind of bring that Mm. that into a world today where that's more I don't know uh, accepted right in the western world right it's a very different the way that it would be approached would be very different it'd be just fascinating to to find out and bring that into today's culture um Do you know if that is still today? I know, are you talking more ancient or is today, is it still very widely used psychedelics in Africa?
1: Oh no! Right here, right now, it's used. We we have an unbroken link of using this stuff in Africa. This is like this is the untold story, you know, from the earliest people that we can find on planet Earth, who are the so-called pygmy people, who introduced the usage of psychoactives to planet Earth as human beings. The first people to partake in mushrooms, the first people to partake in, you know, sacred plant medicines to communicate with their ancestors and to develop societies and cultures and religions around the usage of psychedelics where people in Africa, these small people, and they're still here to this day. And still have the same practices so you know what can we say and then and there's many other groups around the world and the continent that have their own stories you know that have their own associations with particular plants but as we know you know certain plants grow in particular places get ayahuasca you would need to be in the amazon to get you know iboga you need to be in central africa mm-hmm. you nobody know, you want to get access to mushrooms you can be anywhere on any of these continents yeah. it was the gift of the planet so many other cultures had the stories and mythologies and traditions geared around you know that were geared around that that we can glean from yeah. in africa because it was very much our oral tradition and still is to this day. there's not much stuff recorded there's not there's, you know there's not stuff in books that you're going to need to go and pick up and say well what were they doing how did they do it you need to be initiated you need to go through the rights of power you don't just get the information this is a way of life so that's the only way you're really going to learn and build a relationship because that's what you're going to be doing as a child you're going to be building relationship with these technologies i know people who do their deators and they do their takeout times and learn and study take out six weeks three months and they go to peru and they come back and they're know all of a sudden whereas you come to find in the cultures where it's from it's a life path you know that you would have been walking, so that's what I've come to find. Mostly, is taking place in Africa. You know, it is in the ancient world, but it's also in the current world. You know, amongst the various groups in the ancient world, a very popular um, or a place where you can get a lot of the information recorded is by way of ancient Egypt, or better yet, Kemet, as it was named by the people from that place. They have an abundance of information that was left on the walls and temples and certain sacred texts that was then. Stolen, lifted, as sometimes gifted to the Greeks and the Romans who entered those regions, as well as those from the Mesopotamia or you know Middle Eastern regions who had ancient traditions that were dealing with this stuff. So there's like a lot of rich history talking about the use of mushrooms, the use of DMT. You know, by way of the Acacia nilotica, which is a DMT containing plant that grows along the Nile Valley and mm-hmm. um, the Nile River, which be, which birthed what we would know or call the Nile Valley. Sub- civilization. And the Nile Valley civilization, starting with those small people who are mentioned at the beginning, the so-called Pygmies, who are actually known as the Toa, the Akka, the Bakka, the Mbuti, the Bobongo, they passed on knowledge to who became the Egyptians or the ancient Egyptians, who later then gifted that knowledge and wisdom to Europe, as we know it today. So it's like, that's how that information came into. It's gone back and forth a few times, but like we can follow like this unbroken, chronological line of how it moved around Africa and then entered into Europe.
0: That is fascinating. How do you feel that how do you feel that this plant medicine, psychedelics have impacted today's modern society today? You know, knowing that they have been really a part of culture. How do you feel that there's any direct correlation between psychedelic use and kind of the modern day world that we live in today?
1: Perfect example, the iPhone. <laughs> Everyone's got an iPhone or an Android, yeah, mm-hmm. smartphones. Um, you know, the the logo for the apple is the apple with the piece taken from it. And, That's um, right, of course, ones, Eden. Exactly, which is the forbidden fruit. And if you understand that in mythology and you follow the trail of, you know, if you get into the etymological and wordings of what is the fruit, you know, and that they're talking about in the Bible and the forbidden fruit and stuff like that. You start to realize, well, it's not necessarily just an apple, but that forbidden fruit that Steve Jobs and his homies were partaking in that allowed them to develop the technologies that became the iPhone and the Mac and all these other things was inspired by LSD, you know, or mushrooms. Mm. You know, and that's quite really documented. And if you know of Silicon Valley, where all the technology is coming out of today, pretty much everybody's talking about LSD and microdosing and a mushroom. So in the here and now, right now, they've been talking about doing this stuff since, since the 30s, I mean, since the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, coming through with just like a, a not well-documented um, service that was being provided, you know, there mm-hmm. was it was in, happening in the underground, but I was inspiring all the major players. And if you go back as far as not just the technology, like music, man, we you know like all the greatest musicians out there, whether you're going to talk about the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. we could bring it to rap music now, the influences of the technologies to create new sounds and. You know, inspire people to write from the heart and all of these kind of things. It's had major influences, you know, no different from, you know, why we've got traffic lights and swings and roundabouts and slides. All of these technologies come out of people who, after they had their psychoactive experiences, man, trying to bring heaven down on earth. Absolutely. We download the files from the infogenic realm and then we're inspired and we try to create it on earth so yeah that's what steve jobs was getting from the blueprints and the files that he got when he was taking lsd it's well known or documented at least that it was suggested that he wouldn't employ anybody around his major team his main team at that time unless they had a psychedelic experience really like, i didn't know that it. yeah you know so just give that a google you know whether he trust Google or not but some of his people around him suggest that that was what yeah, that was part of his initiation that was the rights of passage be part of Apple that you needed to have a psychedelic experience. So you would be not somebody limited in your thinking. You would be thinking out of the box again. Yeah. So and we can come up with these mad concepts. Like you can walk around the world and measure how many footsteps you've had. You can talk to people in other places. You can, all the things we can do on the phone now that would be so far-fetched, that would just be movie-like which was all down from entheogenic experiences by these guys.
0: Yeah, it's all mind. It's like we are such incredible creators, human beings. The things that, and it just really comes down it's it starts here right in the minds it starts with a thought and then if we can get even deeper is where does that thought come from kind of like what you're saying connecting to that inspiration and where great ideas actually come from i know we can think like yeah the brain but like do we know that exactly you know all the conversation around consciousness and yeah it all comes from imagination it comes from the yeah, It comes from the cloud. <laughs> it comes from the iCloud or the uh, source cloud. So uh, fascinating. What I want to talk to you—it's a little on this topic as well, which is around indigenous traditions, right? And mm-hmm. psychedelics today. So, from your perspective, do you feel that we should be? Um, continuing to consume psychedelics in the same ways as our ancestors, right? Tr- the traditional routes and the ways that it has always been. Or do you feel that in today's, especially in like, let's say, call it today's Western world, right? Because that's who's now really quickly adopting psychedelics. <clears throat> do you feel that... Creating a new container of ceremony and ritual, paying homage and understanding the, uh, let's call it just the knowledge and the wisdom of the past, but ultimately creating something new is more is more right for, let's say, a new culture in a modern world. Where do you kind of lean on that?
1: Yeah, I find, I find I can lean on both, you know, in a sense of, know the more you can tap into your own lineage if it's your lineage that you're trying to tap into to try to have a set set in an intention that is complementary to who you are if you have a lineage to follow then i would say like go for that man and that's you know that's that's going to resonate and be part of your dna and stuff like that you know so it's going to be complementary somebody like myself who was born in united kingdom by way of the caribbean with an African ancestry, because of our story. I don't know where I come from in Africa exactly. I don't know what tribe I'm from, So, what traditions or customs do I adhere to? Mm -hmm. Do I just pick a random one? You know, so these are things that, you know, could I I need to consider Mm. or do I in the here and now adapt to the environment that I'm in and curate something that is as close to what I would consider, approaching it respectfully, you know, adopting it in a way that is as natural to who I am and what I do as possible that's what I think works for me as you know it works for Darren I can't tell anybody else what to do yeah. I would just say whatever you do you should you know respect and um, you know the gatekeepers who these plants are being gifted that's why I say to people well, that's why mushrooms now. there's not as much rules and regulations around mushrooms and right? I yeah. say in that regards there's no customs associated with it it's, it's a very much a slightly different psychedelic than the others whereas there's you know a ayahuasca there's icaros and there's things that you've got mm-hmm. to do and customs that don't leave out now and don't disrespect the you know the traditions because as i said you spent two six two months in the amazon and a back and you know how to cook up some ayahuasca and you're just running out now telling people you're a shaman and holding mm-hmm. ceremony and this that, that that's something different you know but if you've been given guidance the permission to you know what you're doing you spend Six years in the jungle, you know, (laughs) like,
0: yeah,
1: like that's like, you know, that's that's different from the six month trip. Totally. um,
0: (laughs) What do you know in six months to like serve like ancient (laughs) wisdom to somebody? Like, I got this. You're like, do you? That's like very, very ego driven there
1: yeah so I'm just saying all that to say like getting where you fit and do what you honestly think is respectful I do think the plants will teach you and share if you're doing the right thing or wrong thing so to speak yeah. from your perspective but I am of like I lean more towards like well look I'm in the UK I'm living in London I'm I, even if I wanted to go back home connect with my families that are you know from Africa. if i find exactly who they are i've got to get initiated and go through the go through the traditional go through the protocols and i'm in my 40s now man as i said this is the stuff that is introduced to you from childhood so what do i do do i not take psychedelics do i how do i go about doing it so without going into what i do designed and developed something for Darren that works for Darren and my approach and my relationship with these technologies.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that answer because it to me it just it's such an intuitive approach. And I think particularly when you think of things like mushrooms, I think that's the big one where I think there's a lot of context like, how do I how do I take this? What is um, there's so many different ways that they can be consumed. And I think really tapping into those truths for yourself and your own heritage and lineage and understanding what you are setting out to do why are you why are you doing mushrooms you know in the first place and and those kinds of things i think is um asking yourself those bigger questions about probably what what is it that you're first seeking you know and if it is to know yourself then how do you ask your guides you know sit down and meditate and ask the best container for yourself and and the people that you should be surrounded with so i do i love that answer and i think there is I think for me is, is like, how do we find the balance of not throwing out just years, years, thousands of years of ancient wisdom around this and, Mm -hmm. and also, um, creating something that is, uh, for, for best for you kind of like what you're saying and, and really, Doing both, which leads me to, why is it, do you think, important to just at least understand the history of psychedelics? To understand what our, how our ancestors use psychedelics? Why do we think it's important for us to know, especially in this modern Western digital age right now, as things speed
1: ahead? Well, there's something, there's a you notion know, in Africa known as Sankofa. And it's basically to know where you're going, you need to know where you're coming from. Right, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Native American traditions, as well as other traditions, talk about, you know, looking seven generations backwards, as well as seven generations forward. We talk about this in permaculture, just how important these things are in, and, you know, in you know, and, and those types of considerations. Um, what am I saying? We need to just be aware of, you know, the, the current climate that we're in, you know, and lean on i would say the principles from the ancient world that are relevant to the here and now like let's not try to be two thousand years ago (laughs) because it's not going to be fit for purpose in this time but there's certain principles that translate right to the here and now that we could and should be applying that could make the world a better place
0: is there an example that just like pops in your mind that you think like would be an ancient piece of you know wisdom advice and that would be just as relevant today
1: yeah, so uh, I always go back to certain principles that I live by, you know, guide me. Those are the hermetic principles, which are ancient Egyptian principles that come out of the wisdom of Tehuti, later to be known as Hermes, the messenger. Mm. But there's one that I often say, which is as above, so below, as within, so without. Yep. You know, and I hear it mentioned, people say it many times in the here and now, and it's relevant. It's like, Absolutely. and if you understand that and how it's applied, perfect examples being that I share that there's, you know, fire outside of you. There's fire out there. There's a sun. you know. There's a sun inside of you. There's fire inside of you. There's water outside of you. There's water inside of you. You know, All the elements you find outside of you, you find inside of yourself. So if you understand the micro, you can understand the macro and vice versa. And this was the premise of how ancient used to understand what was going on in the skies by looking down and here in the water rather than cooking in neck having to look up in the sky all the time at the stars. They're looking in the water and the stars are there in the water. Wow. And we come back out. So this is certain... Simple things that will stop you from having a crook neck to be able to map the stars so then Kat knows exactly when her birthday is and what time we're having a meeting today. This is all done from those principles of people who are doing all those types of observations, mapping the stars and stuff like that and the elements. Mm. And the other- inside of us
0: so beautiful thank you i I know i put you on the spot there a little bit but that's a (laughs) perfect answer and i i use that all the time and absolutely i i i didn't even think of it from a from that psychedelic perspective and from that ancient wisdom but of course of course i didn't even realize i just use that as like because it's so present today that that yes absolutely well the
1: origins of that is coming out of you know tahuti's wisdom and his wisdom and it's consortia shit, it comes out of the acacia tree, what they call the tree of knowledge. That's what developed the seven principles of, you know, what's known as the hermetic principles. And it's acacia tree, the DMT contained tree. So this is been comes out of the DMT files, the acacia files or the Akashic records. And some people like to refer to mm-hmm. nowadays.
0: Let's start switching gears a little bit. Can you talk to us about the, just the alchemical process of what is actually happening on psilocybin mushrooms to human beings? First and foremost, like do do you have a sense of what is happening in the brain, and um, yeah, and how it's bringing these transformative states?
1: Yeah, in all honesty, I don't know. I'm I'm baffled by every time I have the experience, even <laughs> when I read. I'm not a scientist. So I can't give you the scientific terms, but even though I'm familiar with what's happening in the brain, even when the experiences happen, I'm still like, wow, this is just way beyond anything I've read about what's going on when it's really happening. So I'm, I'm still yeah asking that question myself. But with that said, I do know what when we're talking about mushrooms in particular, or any psychedelic, we're talking about the active ingredient. There's going to be an active ingredient or a chemical inside that that, that, that plant, and um, they're going to come from particular groups. Mm-hmm. And the groups of the classic psychedelics that we're talking about are those tryptamines, um, where you're going to find psilocybin, DMT, LSD, and so forth. in within those um, frameworks, and they're like alkaloids, so scientifically there's a certain group of chemicals that they're going to come from, and they're going to work on the brain in a different way than your opiate drugs, for example, or coffee does, or, you know, any other high or autospeak of consciousness that we can achieve. So what's happening is that once the body starts breaking down the psilocybin it turns into psilocin and then you have the magic experience man and we don't know what that how to break down that magical experience but we're trying body,
0: <laughs> scientists yeah. are trying
1: yeah through your body and the oxygen and the hydro you know elements inside of you Process all that is where things starts to happen, man. Where you become what happens on the mushroom or the LSD experience. God, know, it's, and, um...
0: it's fascinating that there's like these incredible. Let's just say, like mushrooms, for instance, just like fungi that has been around before we were around, <laughs> way before we were around, that can produce consciousness expansion, like grew here for us to me, like, that is just fascinating that this is what the earth provided us. Talking about having an experience of your own, like this was like, please, please experience yourself yeah. in a larger context is really what it feels like to me. An invitation and ayahuasca oh, and all yeah. the others.
1: So what they have um, discovered because the trials, I'm sure this trial been done in the States as well as the United Kingdom. Um, imperial college by dr robin Carhart, where they were looking at the brain under the influence of psilocybin as well as it under the influence and what they saw was that there were more connections happening but certain aspects of the brain were shut down and the part that was shut down or less um, Python was what they call the default mode network, mm. which some correspond with the ego and stuff like that. So it was shutting down certain parts of the brain as well as making more connections. So, again, scientifically, I'm not the person to explain that. Go check out the papers of Imperial, Dr. Yeah. Robin Carpenter, and some of the other stuff that's going on, you know, in the States. And you can get that. You know, high-end scientific breakdowns if you want to but even with that settled down like I said when you actually have the experience you come to realise that nobody knows what they're talking about man we'll start <laughs> here working it out. We're out here working it out you can have the scientific breakdown but even they they said when they done the trials of DMT as well it's like it just gives us ideas about other things in life but we're still out here we're just still trying to work it out totally totally we can't put our, thing, can't put our finger
0: in it yeah 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 let's uh, let's talk a little bit about a phenomena that we hear a lot about on psychedelics called an ego death or sure. ego dissolution. Mm. First off from your vantage point, what is an ego death?
1: All right so if I was to describe it because it's the, uh, the, a common school of thought and, and it's trending, I would say you know if we're familiar with, with what the ego is what we're talking about is ego death or ego dissolution which is the removing of the layers of who you think you are or how you appear or present yourself to the world. Mm -hmm. So just that in itself is what we're talking about and it's removing those layers. Um, It happens to people in different ways. Some people have had near-death experiences, some people have had ego-death experiences and, you know, and one of the books that inspired me to look into this, which was DMT, The Spirit Molecule, which was comparing DMT experiences to people who had near-death experiences and looking at the similarities, looking at how many similarities there were more than dissimilarities to the experience. So... As far as what is an ego death, when you're having the psychedelic experience, there's people who will suggest through their experiences that they became separated from themselves. They became, you know, outside of themselves. They forgot who they were. They became their true selves. You know, there's many different types of expressions for what. Sure. Experience would be like but again according to some of the research that I've done by various doctors and scientists it suggested that in the psychedelics experience what's coined the ego death if you don't resist it and allow it to do what it's doing however it's doing what it's doing to you during a time you're going to have less fear around the experience so and actually you have more of an experience the experience becomes even more Again, it's, it's a very unique experience for everybody. So I don't want to generalize that that's what's going to happen and that's what's called, that's what's guaranteed. But off the back of that, when people have their experience, they're like, I was totally, I felt free. I was in total serenity. I became one with the universe or I just realized that I'm not who I thought I was and I'm, you know, more than that or maybe even less than that, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But it brings them to a state of consciousness where they go beyond they thought it were.
0: Have you ever had an ego death experience on a psychedelic?
1: So I just basically, so I come from a, so that's, that was, that's my generic answer to you, Cap. Like, I come from a school of thought where I don't even know what the ego is, but I'm I'm not going to, means my words, like the, the ego is a Western concept. As you know, I'm very much into my indigenous approaches. And when I look at African indigenous cultures, they don't talk about ego and stuff like that in their in their spiritual set, set up. You know, in the, in Africa and in Egypt, we talk about the bar, we talk about the car, and all these kind of things. But there's no way that lines up with the ego. Like, mm. so they talk about the spirit and the soul and the mind. And you know, and when they talk about death, they don't talk about ego death. They just talk about death. Mm. Got it. So when they talk about dying on psychedelics, no, that's a real death. They tell it's like a, ma- a little death. It's Got a it. little death, micro death for the macro death, and it's just the death. And what I've discovered is that they practice dying. That's what a big part of what, what rites of passage in ancient Egypt or many other cultures with ayahuasca is the same. They call it the vine of the dead, you know, the vine of the soul, if you want to be politically correct. But it's all to do with the dead. Yeah. And they would practice dying and going to the realms where the dead are at so that they would be. No different from if you've got a test coming up, if you don't have to drive, car and you've got a driving test, you know when you've got to drive, you've got the test coming up. You're going to wait for the day of the test to start practicing driving. <laughs>
0: <Practice> <laughs> right. Carefully.
1: You knew the time was coming. So, you know, it's like us. If we know we've got a date coming up and we actually don't know what the date is, even more reasons to practice or prepare for it because it's inevitable. Right. And if you realize through the preparation of practicing or preparing for death and then dying, then realize that you don't die what you're then going to do or should and hopefully inspire you to live a more liberated life that's it in a nutshell that's what the ego death can do for you that's what dying before you're dying does for you that's what the mystery systems of ancient egypt that's what the mystery systems of ancient greece the mystery systems of ancient rome that's the mystery system of the catholic church it's all about practicing dying before you die and that's what the good old jesus story was here to share with us and if you do that and you resurrect You become one with the universe and you live a more liberated life. And there's a movie out there called Big Fish with Bureau McGregor and it teaches you and shares exactly the same thing. When you found out how he died as a child, he then lives a more liberated life because he doesn't live Mm. in fear anymore. And that's what the experience of ego death can do for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have Have you had a mini death? Have you had it so, a- yeah I'm
1: saying else I didn't answer your question yeah I've died several times okay okay <laughs> yeah, I was like all right yeah, let me
0: reframe this have you I've, died
1: yet? <laughs> yeah I've died my ego's still here I'm still here <laughs> I'm just still going through emotions and learning and going through the processes of who I am, who I think I am and other aspects of myself and Certain parts of myself I've killed off. Certain parts I've resurrected and enhanced. And I'm a work in progress. I'm not trying to kill my ego. That's the last thing yeah. I want do. You're gonna need to it. About my ego. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I want, want to see what it is about. You know. But if going through those processes can help me prepare for the ultimate death, the macro yeah. one, the big one. And then what you find out is that oh, it's Mario World. Right. You no, know, you're just gonna have to you just put your coins in again yeah. and just <laughs> to, <laughs> and you're gonna
0: be, come back at <laughs> <to> somebody new <laughs>
1: yeah there you go like is, is that what we're doing is that how this kind of thing works if it's like that then there yeah, you can be more excited about do whatever you've got to do with your life man, and totally. like or restricted.
0: has it has it has it really having those kind of those deaths along the way has it really kind of freed you up to live more fully and less fear and more trust
1: most definitely, man. I always say, like, the ultimate thing psychedelics has done for me, of like, all the voyages, things that I've seen, experienced, I think the main thing that I try, Darren wants from it, is, so when I come back to Earth and I'm doing what I've got to do on a day-to-day tip, how useful is all of this? How good is it knowing the stuff that you can find out <laughs> Yeah. these it's like where can you apply it in your day to day life and how can you integrate it? So and that's what I do with it, you know. So with that said, the main thing, the first thing that it gifted me was that it started to allow me to lighten my loads That was the first gift that I got from it was Like, right immediately, once I relaxed into the experience, it was like, right, I just feel more relaxed, I feel lighter oh, man, why have, been, why have I been worrying about that for? Why am I bothered about that for, you know? Totally. So it done that for me in the past, but it's not as long-lasting as what the mushroom experience had provided, where I was like, okay, i really see that things that I was bothered by, I don't need to be bothered by, and I'm not bothered by them anymore, in fact. And I'm going to focus on the things that, give me life and give me love and give me joy that's what the law of attraction that's one of the hermetic laws the principles teach you like what do you want let's not focus on what we don't want and i've spent too many years just focusing and pointing fingers and blaming people and you know all of that kind of stuff yeah. And I take responsibility take my life into my own hands and starting to create my own lifestyle well what do i want to do how do i want to do it and the mushroom says you know we can help you with that stuff if you're serious about it and then when you listen, you get some love, and they give you some support and inspiration. But then you've got to be responsible in your day-to-day life yeah. to apply magic. It's not like oh, you just take it and then your life's better. I there's some challenges. There's conversations that I had to have people that I need to meet and talk with. That was really challenging, man. You know, being honest and open about things. You know, it it, it broke my relationships with people. You know, it, as much as it created relationships, I ended relationships too. So to go through that to become, I had to go through yeah what I had to go through but it's been well worth
0: it yeah i've experienced that too actually with with relationships it's it's really put me on the path but there are times where and look it comes back to also um probably a deeper knowing that i also I mean, probably deep down knew if something wasn't right for me or somebody was right or i was being my growth was being stunted or i was going this direction and this person is going this direction and and ultimately i think Psychedelics, as they do, put a big magnifying glass on things that maybe you kind of knew very, mm. very deep down and probably covered up, and and um, at least for myself. And then as the psychedelics, as I also leaned more into trust and like lightened the load, like you're saying, like there's nothing like the afterglow of ma- of mushrooms, just like directly after, I'm just being like, oh my god, life is okay, everything's okay. Like I'm just making things a lot worse by not just being here but yeah it has uh brought me to the places that i need to be and you're it's also given me guidance on things that definitely has created uh yeah i i i don't want to i caution the word saying loss because i don't ever think anything is lost it's just energy is just getting moved around here as it as it fits but yeah i've i've experienced that uh as well in terms of my own relationships. So this is kind of like a, a perfect segue into really what what for you now, thinking of like your mission, right? And and the work you're doing and, and spreading your knowledge, what gets you up every day and excites you to, to spread the word around psychedelics and continue this forward march?
1: Well, I've come to the realization that I'm a mushroom having a human experience. <laughs> Me too. If I'm out <laughs> here doing a mushrooms bidding, I might as well do a good job on their behalf. I want to be a good ambassador and um, I'm going to do the best I can at it as long as they keep gifting me in the way that they have with lightening my load, meeting cool people, inspiring people who then inspire me. That makes me want to get up and do what I do. Finally, yeah. teaching. I like to teach, whether I was teaching in schools and I was teaching students who didn't want to learn what I was teaching them for the most part because they weren't interested in food growing, but I still got a joy from that. And then to have the relationship with people actually want to learn what you've got to share. you know you're teaching about mushroom cultivation they've come there for that that's a whole nother experience that i wasn't used to yeah <laughs> used to being, t- being thrown at me and you know, <laughs> all the rest of it so all of that is what makes me get up and just as i'm coined it spreading the scores man just you know whether you know i'm out here and just like i have been i want to inoculate people's minds and colonize them and create amazing mushroom fruit, mushroom babies, so we can spread the spores and make the world a better place, you know, for whatever that may be in your, you know, paradigm. And that is yeah. me waking up, seeing my loved ones around me good, you know, if they're not good, I'm not good. So yeah. I know that if I can share that energy and they say, Well, how have you got the energy? Why are you feeling so good? What's happening in your life? I'm nice like, to mushrooms, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hundred percent. They're just, they're just, just
0: sending saying sweet nothings to me every day. And I just share that love and that love grows. And then they're like, okay, you're doing great, Darren. Here's a little bit more for you to do. All right. You're going to take that. Here's a little bit more for you to do. I feel like that's exactly how they work.
1: But for me, the most important thing in my work, it's like on a, on a serious note, is like one, just making people independent, making people stand sustainable, making people create to stand in their own square. You know, I'm a community person, I'm an activist, that's where I come from. All of that, I want to, I've been empowering people. So now it's to do with psychedelics. It's like one of the most powerfulest things that you could be doing to empower one's life, you know. So I take that role very responsibly and seriously to that degree. So for me, teaching people how to cultivate is really important. So there's, you're cutting out so many risks you know you're making your lifestyle you're making it a better planet because you're not sitting offline flying to the amazon for six weeks to have ayahuasca where you can just grow mushrooms in your house and go yeah. into your mind because that's what you're doing whether you're in the amazon or in you're in kentucky you're going to the same <laughs> internal places you can't run away from yourself so yeah. um uh, i, I, I want to remind people about those things just being comfortable in your own skin being comfortable where you're at you can't get set somewhere and you're just stuck wherever you are just that's where you're at and make the most of it you know yeah as i was taught by my teacher you know you've got to make the most of yourself you know find something about yourself and love it and you know if you find out that it's just the way you scratch your ass or your ass as you Mm -hmm. guys say just make sure you're you're the best ass scratcher you know (laughs) yeah just do it it well you know do it well (laughs) so for me getting up and teaching and sharing about that making people feel comfortable in their own skin is what i do man and when i get the reciprocation because it then empowers me to do the same and feel the way about myself that's why I get up in the morning.
0: Yeah, man. giving is receiving, and that's yeah, as simple as that. And there was a
1: time I couldn't get up in the morning; I was struggling to get out of bed. So uh, I do, I do remember those days.
0: Yeah, beautiful. How can people work with you? Are you still traveling around the city? Do you have a schedule? How can people come and check out how to grow their own stash?
1: Darren LeBaron. Well, I'm not sure when this is going out, man. But I'm coming to the end of my US travels and journey, and man, so I've been—I've left the UK five months ago now, man. It's the longest time I've spent away from home. Um, I was traveling in Guatemala and Mexico wow. and Jamaica, and then came to the States, and I've extended my stay twice now. I'm currently in New Orleans, and I just came here for a break, you know, just to enjoy some space. I've got a couple of days in Oakland um, this weekend where I'm going to be doing a mushroom cultivation workshop and I'm gonna be heading back to the UK. But, um, I hope to be back in the States in the new year, doing some stuff, again, cross country, cool. just checking out the beautiful United Snakes of America.
0: Perfect, <laughs> for sure, for <laughs> sure. Uh, where can people at least, while well, you're probably, it'll come out when you're probably back in the UK, but we know you're gonna be back. I know you're always posting cool stuff on your own social. How can yeah, people man. stay in touch?
1: Yes, there you go. By way of my website, DarrenLeBaron.com, you can get access to my socials, which is pretty much Instagram and Facebook, Darren LeBaron. I'm on YouTube, Darren LeBaron. So any of those platforms, if you put in that, you should find me. I'm going to be the cartoon face with the mushrooms growing out of my head. Perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Darren, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today, taking us through the ancient knowledge of the past, bringing us up to speed about how to grow your own mushrooms, how to go inside yourself and how to become the most independent version of yourself. So beautiful. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Kat. I'll see you too, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I'll be watching all your the graphics and stuff. You've, you're, you've raised the bar, so just keep up the good works as well. And I hope to collab with you in the near future again. Man.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much again. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.